Lord and worship. We bless you on today. Thank you for joining us. Please feel free to enjoy the music worship and prepare our hearts to receive God's word today. So let us welcome him, invoke his presence right where you are, right where you are in his presence. Indulge him, bless him, glorify him, and sing unto his holy name. Let the Lord have his way. Oh, 
Amazing grace, how sweet. 
us this morning. Let us pray. Mighty God, we thank you for blessing us one more time in your presence. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to gather in the way that we are. We thank you for the power of your word. So, Father, Lord, we open up our hearts and minds right now that we might see Jesus and have your word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you. Almighty God, move in this place, have thine own way, is our prayer today. In Jesus' great name, Lord, we pray. Amen. As we continue on in our series of Jesus' journey towards Jerusalem in a time of Lent, leading up to celebration, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior on Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, again, he's has set his itinerary, and he's looking towards to go to Jerusalem. I want to read our text for today, uh, coming from the Luke, the Gospel of Luke 14, chapter verses 1 through 6. I'm going to read from the New Living uh, Translation. The Word of God reads, On Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. There was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he returned to them and said, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out again. They could not answer. I want to talk about today of the subject matter that Jesus sees you. I want to highlight here that in this text, we see he is now in a house on the Sabbath. There's going to be a dinner being served, and that serves as a setting, as a parable, Later on, but the setting right now, main subject matter, is that this is the Sabbath. 
We're going to talk about the Sabbath. But first, I want to bring into this text why we're looking at a man that is suffering from dropsy or New, New Living Translation points out that his arms and legs were swollen. I want to highlight here that this man is placed in front of Jesus and they don't see him. They don't see him because they don't recognize him. They don't see him to be important. And when I think about this, I think about how in superhero power, how some people have the power of invisibility. It seems like an attractive superpower because when you are seen as a hero, then people seek to see you. They seek to recognize you. They seek to hear you. And so therefore, your power is to be invisible, but yet you are accessible because the people desire to see you. But the reflect of this, as the famous book, you know, the Invisible Man by Ralph Allison points out the power of when you are invisible, when you are purposely neglected, forgotten, and not seen. It hurts to know that you are not even written, not recorded, and not even recited in history when you are not even acknowledged in the presence of the room. And the burden of being invisible now is not heroic. It is not superpower, but yet it is a curse. It is a shame and, a, and an impediment into you moving forward in your life. And not only that, then the pain and the scorn and the shame of no one hearing you, no one seeing you, and no one attending you. But I want to encourage you today that Jesus sees you. He knows you better than you know yourself, and you can call on him. You can go on and say, Master, Savior, Jesus, there's something about that name. There's power in the name of Jesus, healing in the name of Jesus. When no one else sees you, when no one else knows you, when no one else calls on you, you can call on the name of Jesus, even on the Sabbath. The Sabbath day is the day of rest. It's the day of cease. It's a day to be observed to, from working for six days, but observe the Sabbath day is a day of rest, a day of worship, a day of bringing glory and honor unto God. God gives his law to Moses, who is to give this law to Israel. Israel is establishing this law when Moses gives it to them from God, from the covenant, from the mountain, as they're entering a covenant relationship going into the promised land. Exodus 20th chapter, verses 8 and 11, reminds us of this law of the Sabbath coming from our Ten Commandments. It says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping in hope. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God on the day no one in your household may do any work. This includes your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock. And any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. God also gives a vivid example in explaining these laws to Moses about what it means to rest on the Sabbath later on in the same deliberation in the 31st chapter of Exodus verse 17. It says, it is a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he stopped working and was refreshed. 
So the Sabbath means rest. It means to desist or cessation with more of a negative than a positive connotation. It's a day which one should not do what he ordinarily does. The other six days of the week, man has to work. But on the Sabbath day, the man is to rest. God has called us, the men and women of Israel, to do this until he comes back again. The good of the body and good for the soul is to rest on the Sabbath. Exodus 23rd chapter, verse 12, again, it highlights, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day, you must stop working. This gives your ox and your donkey a chance to rest. It also allows your slaves and the foreigners live among you to be refreshed. So here's the setting of the Sabbath. The Sabbath has a legalistic now connotation unto this text. It has moved from being a place of observance and rest and rest and restoring and worshiping of God to now a sense of piety and sense of policy. And so in the New Testament, we see here that the celebration of the Sabbath has denigrated into a mere legalistic prohibitions, which has sapped it from God's original intent. Our Lord explicitly refuted the rigid restrictions which they had developed on saying the Sabbath when he said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Marks 2.27. It was not. And to see here that Jesus has com- completed many miracles on the Sabbath as well. And so here it is, the settings being set that Jesus now is showing that God is still God, even on the Sabbath, that God is still able to save, able to heal, able to see people's trials and tribulations, adverse situations when others people look to neglect it, reject it and not accept it. But our God sees what you're going through and able to speak to it. And this is evidence because he's already set forth his itinerary of what he's going to do. Remember, early in the 13th chapter, they told him that he needs to get away from here. But he says, I'm going to go. Go tell that fox that today, tomorrow and the next I'm going to heal and, and cast out demons. And on the third day, I'm going to accomplish my goal. Jesus on his itinerary is accomplishing his goal of healing, representing the power of the kingdom of God. They put this human being, this person in front of Jesus as a test to see what he is going to do on the Sabbath. But I'm so glad that even when others are doubting what God can do, I'm so glad that it does not hinder what God can do. Jesus has set his mind on going to Jerusalem. He has now accepted the invitation from this religious leader to come into a house for dinner on the Sabbath. The Sabbath tradition of Jesus, again, is to go and teach in the synagogue. And now we have a meal, like many of us like to have a good meal after a Sunday morning time of worship to go and eat. And now we see it again, set in the setting. Looking at, again, verses 1 and verse 2 of Luke 14 chapter. On one Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees and the people watching him closely. There was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Jesus desire to come into this man's house also shows to us his desire to relate to us. Even in a sense of this invitation may have another alternative motive, but it does not change that Jesus still desires to have a relationship with his people. Think about how he accepts this invitation to come into this house. Some ask for Jesus 
to come into their lives for different reasons. Some ask him because they think he's a genie. Right. I can rub on him. I can ask for any wish in the world. and He's going to give me my my heart desire. I don't have to be committed. I don't have to be a disciple. I don't need to go to worship. I don't need to read your word. But I just want to call on you to do what I ask you to do. But that's not who Jesus is. That's not who God is. He is not a genie here to give you every wish of your desire. Some ask Jesus because he's like an emergency. They will break glass in case of emergency. They don't need him any other time. But when time and trouble comes, all of a sudden they think they know Jesus and they call on him, hoping that he's going to bail you out and deliver you out of trouble. But yet Jesus is just not a God in case of emergency, but he is a God all the time. He's good all the time. He's available all the time. So we need to develop a better relationship with our God. And I only call on him in times of emergency, time of duress, in times of stress. But we ought to be communicating with him, walking with him, talking with him, understanding that we have a covenant relationship by the blood on the cross. And so when we understand that, then some understand this covenant relationship we've entered in and having with Jesus so that when he does come into our home, he is a guest, but also he is the host and he is the one we submit and surrender under and want to know him and fellowship with him. And so thank you, Jesus, for inviting us into your house. But look at this text, how Jesus accepts this invitation from this leader to break bread. And not only is he there with other guests, uh, but yet he's there highlighting this man that's dealing with dropsy. In our text, we can see how they are watching Jesus closely. Notice they're not watching the man closely. They're not concerned about this man's condition, how they can give him help. But yet they are concerned how they can trap Jesus in this situation. But I'm going to encourage you today to know that when others are looking down on you, when others have counted you out, when others may treat you like your superpower is invisibility, like they don't see you, they don't hear you, they don't care about what's going on in your life. I want you to know that Jesus sees you. There was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. New American Standard talks about he was suffering uh, from dropsy. What I want to highlight here that this man's issue is not a disease. It is the symptoms of an illness. Uh, Dropsy is a symptom of an illness that many of us might deal with symptoms all the time. I want to be careful that we don't start using symptoms as items to address. Just if you have a runny nose, Getting a tissue will help you with a runny nose, but it may not stop that nose from running. It may be an allergic reaction. It may be an infection. It may be bacterial. It may be virus. But either way, if you don't get rid of whatever's causing your nose to run, just dealing with the symptom is not going to make you better. So be careful in just treating symptoms. Sometimes many of us have a lying tongue or we got sticky fingers or we have a, a, a wandering, a lustful eye. And, and we understand that that might be a symptom of our sin. Now watch out, somebody. There's something else that's dealing with us that's causing us a need and a longing for other things. But yet we need to realize I need to get to the root of the cause. And the only thing that can heal a lot of our ailments, a lot of our diseases, a lot of our sin sickness is Jesus. That's why Jesus came. He came to redeem. This is a part of his itinerary to heal and proclaim the kingdom of God. He is able to save. He is mighty to save. And so here it is that when we know that our God is able to save, we can shout like Psalms 1840 says, the Lord lives. 
Praise to my rock. May the God of my salvation be exalted. God is always open in the saving business, even on the Sabbath. Jesus is teaching this power in just being in the presence of Jesus. Again, they're looking at this man and looking at his symptoms, knowing he's been dealing with this issue for some time, but yet they put him in front of Jesus, wondering what Jesus is going to do. Think about this for a moment, though. Why are they concerned if this man is going to get better because of Jesus? Isn't that something? How we get jealous of people getting better? My God. How is it that it's so hard that we want other people's life to be hard that we can't celebrate if someone's life is going to get better? I'm so glad that Jesus sees you, that when others want you to stay down, others want you to stay oppressed, others want you to stay in trouble in times of adversity, Jesus says, I want to lift you up. Because Jesus has come to fulfill the law. Matthew 5, 17 says, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Jesus, knowing the law, asked them about the law. The Sabbath is the time of rest from your labors. So the question of healing this man should not be an issue for God, but it's an issue for them. Jesus understood why he came. That's why in the same gospel of Luke, we see him uh, eloquently pointing out to him when he reads the scripture Isaiah to them. It says in Luke 4, chapter verses 18 and 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus is fulfilling the law and the scriptures. He has accomplished his goal on the way to the cross. He is working towards his goal. The lawyers, the Pharisees, they cannot stop him in healing and rebuking demons and saving us from our sins. And just as they are unable to stop him, notice how they're unable to answer him. When they refused to answer Jesus, he touched the sick man and healed him and sent him on the way. Look at that. They don't know what to do. Jesus asked them, what should they do? And they came up with nothing. They're not able to answer because they don't know how to mess with God's wisdom. And look what he says. He says, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? Yes or no? A simple answer. And they decided to not to reply. Because in their denial, they are pointing out that they have been defeated because they know the truth. The truth is that they should help this person. And so Jesus realized that they can't answer the question. He heals the man because Jesus sees you. When others are unable to help you, when others are unable to speak power and truth into your life, notice that Jesus knows how to get directly to the root of the issue, the problem, and he can minister to our hearts who the Son says free, is free indeed. And the glory of the of the Lord and, uh, and the power of his word gives us strength, gives us energy to run this race and keep our faith, knowing that when others may be against me, the Lord is my life and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When I know that the Lord is the strength of my life, I know I can make. When I know the Lord is my rock 
and my refuge. He is my sword and my shield. I, I know that the enemy may come against me, but he cannot defeat me because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. With God, all things are possible. I can keep on going on because how great, how good our God is that he is our banner. He is the Lord of hosts. He is all powerful dominion and might belongs to him. And so when I think about that, when others want to put you down, and try to say that you can't do it. They try to put you out. They try to overlook you because of your condition and your situation and thinking that it's hopeless and thinking that you don't even worthy of being recognized. I'm so glad that Jesus sees you. He cares about you. He knows what you're going through. And what others think is impossible. God's soul, of course, is possible. What's also possible here is that they don't understand the law. They were practicing a law that they have manipulated to create, to honor them more than to honor God. Jesus has to point out to them that Sabbath was made for the man, not man for the Sabbath. Man has con- has confused it and turned it around to be legalistic. So he has to ask them a follow-up question. Then he turned to them and said, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out. If your son, your cow falls into the pit, don't you rush to get him out. Look what the question is shifted here. I see my creation, whom I made, suffering from this condition. And I am able to deliver this person. You put this person here specifically in your house, in this place for us to eat, wondering what I am going to do. And we see here that they don't ask him, but they are watching him intently. And Jesus is able to see their hearts and know their minds, addresses them directly. What is lawful to do on the Sabbath? Yes or no? Is it good to heal? Uh, They have no answer. God gives the answer. Yes is the answer. That's why he touched them. That's why he healed them. Yes is the answer. But yet Jesus wants to make sure everybody understood the lesson being taught. Which one of you don't work on the Sabbath? Let it be your son falls into the well. You just going to let them drown. You're just going to let them suffer and say, I can't save you, child. It's the Sabbath. Or would you not jump in and pull and lift your child up to draw them out of the well? Let alone it was your property, your ox, your cow. You took them to go get water to make sure they have water on the Sabbath. But if they fell into the water, would you leave them there? No, you would pull them out. Uh, the same way. So how is it that you got more love and affection for an animal than you do for the image of God made in his own creation? We treat humans sometimes less respect than we do with animals. We sometimes treat people and we dehumanize them by the way we call them different names and different words and abuse them, but yet we say we love and honor God but yet we have other man-made laws and rules of how we treat people. But God had given us a law how we ought to love the Lord our God with all our heart, 
with all our might and all our strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. I'm so glad God sees you. God sees our needs and meets our needs. He is mighty to save. I like Isaiah 59, the one that says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. I'm so glad that when you call, he hears you, that he's able to reach you. He's able to be a present help in the time of trouble. The Lord healed him and sent him on his way because he pointed out that I am here to save. I'm here to redeem. I'm here to set the captives free, even on the Sabbath. Jesus shows how great he is, how benevolent he is, how great is his love towards us. When you can choose love, I encourage you to choose love. When you can choose compassion, I encourage you to choose compassion. Jesus showed us right here that they had a choice to show love and compassion to this man suffering in their presence. And Jesus showed them, I choose to show love. The accusers are exposed for their hypocrisy. How can they be more concerned about an ox, a sheep, animal than they are about this person suffering from this illness? Their inability to answer to Jesus' inquiry exposes their error and judgment. If they were right, they would have boasted about it. They would have been able to talk about their victory and correctness. But yet they were wrong. And Jesus exposes them. And he points out the simple thing that makes me think about when Jesus sees us, what he does. The hymn says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters, lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. When God sees you, he knows he can lift you up. Notice this hymn. Give us the same imagery of what Christ did in his analogy. If your son or your animal falls into the water, will you not lift them up? Aren't you glad that we might be sinking deep in sin? Going through all kind of issues and the symptoms are relevant, but we can call on Jesus and his love will lift us up out and place our feet on solid rock. He can bring us into safety because he is safe. And just to be in his presence means that change is going to come. Think about this person of dropsy, if you will. He might not have been willfully invited to come and celebrate the meal in this place. But one thing he got was since he knew he was in the presence of Jesus. Unbeknownst to him, he found out that if Jesus just touched me, my life's changed. And I am better off now from being in his presence. God sees you and he wants you to know that he's right where you are. There's no place you can hide from God. Call out to him, no matter the darkness you're dealing with, the pain you're dealing with, the depression you're dealing with. There is hope because hope is alive in Jesus. So you can know that his love never fails. And know all who call on the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. No matter where you are. And you'll be able to sing that same hymn. That love lifted me. When nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Because Jesus sees you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. That you are a present help in the time of trouble. The Father, we might be dealing with diverse trials and tribulations, hardships and adversity, grief and pain of loss and bereavement. But Father, we're turning to you right now to be our strength. May we have the endurance of Christ to endure oppression and hardship and rejection, to know that in the end we truly will be accepted by you. All who call on the name of Jesus shall be saved. And so, Lord, there's someone out there who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that they can confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins and rose from the grave on the third day. That they, too, will come to that knowledge of wisdom. And, Lord, I pray that you bless them to come to a place of discipleship to grow in a local body, in a local church. that could be baptized and celebrate communion. With the, with the saints. Father, bless us as we continue to serve you, that we walk humbly before you and, and be reminded that when others may reject us, neglect us, oppress us, that you see us and you are present help in a time of trouble and you're able to lift us up because of how great your love is. In Jesus' great name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining Zion. You've been able to continue to stay connected with us on our website and Facebook and YouTube. And so God bless you until we meet again. Remember, Jesus loves you and so do I.